0: We're back and we're live. What is up, Mr. Marty Amos? How are you doing, my man? What is up? I am on fire. Get the hose.
1: And I can see you're a productivity king like me. And I think you've just bought one of these
0: productivity timers. Bro, I'm a little ADHD. I've got bad uh, attention. So I put this on, put my phone away. No distractions. Keeps me timed. So as you can see, we're counting down. we got going to do this podcast in 24 minutes. Otherwise, uh, you get your money back. All right, perfect. Let's get to it then. Great minds think alike. I love it. Excellent. All right. But before we do, you were just at MotoGP. How was it?
1: Oh, bro. Off the charts. Uh, We went to, being a massive petrol hit. we went to the races and it was like four seasons in one day, like 28 degrees first day, 20 the second day, and then pouring with rain, howling wind, and they actually canceled the MotoGP race. But the highlight was Friday night. Uh, On the Friday, Jack Miller, Australian MotoGP legend, got was in second place and we went to the restaurant and lo and behold there was jack miller so went up had a yarn got a photo top man it
0: was awesome so good excellent so i haven't been to a motor gp yet but uh was it was at the f1 last year or the year before just so good vibrates through your body how close to the track are you what's it like
1: yeah you get get pretty close so we walk around the whole circuit and we're at different uh places during the day but you can get within sort of Five meters, twenty feet, sort of thing, when they come past, and the other times you're a little bit further away, but not quite as intense as being at the Isle of Man, and the bikes come past you, and you just you're like three feet away from them, and you feel the air creates a vacuum, and it just gets sucked out of your body. It's
0: intense. That'd be that's on the bucket list. We have to do a, a TBB tour to the Isle of Man, and just so happens to line up with uh, TT. Damn so straight. Excellent. All right. So today's topic is pretty simple. It's playing to win. We're coming into the tail end of 2023. If you want to win in 2024, then we need to inspect some of the most successful members because success leaves clues. What are the clues that they can leave that you can take on with you and win in 2024 with? So Some of our most successful members have had a helluva year. And these are common themes that we see them executing on consistently. And we're just going to hit some of them from, you know, the game is one in the draft all the way through to business maturity date, knowing your numbers and making sure that you're stepping out of your comfort zone and inspecting the metrics. So over to you, Marty, like what would be your main thing that you've seen amongst some of the most successful members this year that you would put at the top of your list if you wanted to play to win next year?
1: absolutely so i think there's some key things number one is who's on your team so the game is one in the draft the second thing is how are you managing that team the third thing is data you need accurate data to make decisions so business is a numbers game the language of business is numbers so without numbers metrics kpis and your financials each month and in real time you're really kind of guessing where should you, what's going to make the biggest bang for your buck. So everything they do, everything we do is data-driven so you can make accurate decisions, you can take their motion out of it. And I think a big thing is as founders there's or business owners, there's lots that you can be doing, but what should you be doing? Like what is in your genius that you're really good at that no one else can do that's going to have a big impact on the company? You're really thriving, you love doing it, it energizes you. And you're naturally great at it. And then how do you systemize the business and raise the bar and the standards and hold people and processes to that standard so that it repeats and recurs without you as the owner having to juggle, spin a lot of plates, and you actually build a business that works for you, rather than just a busy job with overheads. Those are the key things.
0: So true. So I want to actually pull on the thread of that first one you said, which was the game is won in the draft. Uh, Sounds good. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know if everybody else will. So can you explain that one to us a bit more?
1: Well, I think it's actually an NBA, NFL, you know, the draft. And if you can get the right people on your team in the right slots, then it's going to make life a truckload better, a truckload easier. Like, Are you trying to drag a whole bunch of stragglers up to a minimum or an acceptable standard? So are you trying to take people who are a four and take them up to a six Or are you hiring people who are great for that position who are seven who are already proven winners, have done it before, have done it in two or three businesses if you're hiring an estimator or a QS or a project manager, who've already succeeded, who are going to hit the ground running and bring high standards. So you can rate people on those five key variables for success and you can see, have they done it before? Are they a good culture fit? Are they a good attitude fit? and what's the likelihood of them
0: succeeding in in that role yeah totally it's like a little exercise right all right everybody here put your hand up if you're a builder all right well next question is put your hand up if you're a business owner and you need to be putting both your hands at 100 percent. because if you're listening to this pod if you're part of the professional builder if you're in our community or if you're keen on growing your business then you need to think of yourself as a business owner, not necessarily as just an exclusively a great builder because business owners solve things with through people and process, through leverage, right? And if you can install the process you want, but if you've got poor people running the systems, then good luck. <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare for you. You're going to be putting out fires, answering questions, continuously coaching and course correcting them, which is part of the job of being a business owner. But honestly, you want to fast track all of that pain and suffering by hiring good on day one. So you want to like exactly like Marty said, win the game in the draft by recruiting and hiring awesome humans. And the best way to do that is to position yourself as the employer of choice, always be hiring, always be on the lookout for talent, and put the right people in the right seats, with the right system and process around them. So they actually have really clear expectations of like, what is expected in this role and in this in this position of the team. Because we hear it so much so often, oh, we're a family here at XYZ construction. It's like, Oh, that's kind of lame. It's a crock of shit. We believe a professional builder. And, you know, I I know some of our highest performing members believe this as well, is that we're not a family, we're a sports team. And we're putting the best people in the best positions so that the company can win. And when the company wins, everybody else gets to win as well. It's like, uh, you know, you're not going to put the winger in the forward pack, right? And vice versa. You want the best people in the best positions for getting the job done and that's you why you may have football.
1: to put the winger in the forward pack if you're south africa and you have a seven forwards one back split if you get too many injuries but uh yeah True. Well, wayne Barnes yeah. will just penalize the shit out of the game and ruin it for everyone and but a little bit of sour grapes i i digress one of the biggest things there is are you actively hiring so do you have an active hiring process system and funnel up? so you got to market, it's typically either you're marketing for work and you have your marketing system set up in your sales process. But do you have one for marketing for talent? So do you have a landing page? Do you have a video of what it's like to work at your business? Do you have your rules of the game? Do you have the values? Do you have little snippets from your guys on 30 seconds on what it's like to work at our com- company, our construction company? So those are some key things that you can do. And then some of our top members continually posting on Facebook, social media, TikTok, and Insta, what they're doing with their guys, uh, what their projects, how they're progressing, what they're doing in terms of upskilling in the trade, and also what they're doing for their roof shouts, their parties, their get-togethers at Christmas, etc.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because culture is an output of community, and community is formed from shared experiences. So the input you want to produce is shared experiences. You know, how they got through material delays together, price rises together, labor, like, you know, fewer guys on site together, a grumpy client together, Christmas party together, go-karting together, uh, fishing trip together. All these things, shared experiences, form community and community produces culture. So 100%. So that's a big one that I had on my list as well of, you know, what our best members are doing. What else do you see some of our top performing members from 2023 doing that uh, is worth shining a light on?
1: So the next one is get the team to own the outcome. So what I mean by that is you've got all these strategies that you can implement and you've got a betting table, right? And you only have limited resources or money. Where on the roulette wheel are you going to place your chips, your time, money, and resources? So part of that is to get your team involved in the plan. Have a sense of urgency and proactiveness. Think like an owner. And a great strategy with that is PSR. Problem, solution, recommendation. So rather than just coming with, hey, we're running three days behind. We're not going to hit this milestone. We're not going to get this progress payment. So, hey, we're running three days behind. Here's what I've mapped out, how we can hit this milestone so that we get our progress payment, so that we get cash flow running. We're going to pull the guys off one job. we put them onto this job project and we're gonna get it smashed out over the next three days. So that's where your foreman or your project manager is taking ownership, thinking like an owner, coming to you with a problem. They might have two or three solutions and they're going, here's my chosen recommendation and here's why. And what you're doing is you're testing one for the outcome and two for their thought process that you can trust them, that they can think things through critically, think of all the options and then have the confidence in choosing the right one. And that confidence muscle will grow over time as they get more in tune with it, get more confident making decisions. As long as they're in motion, then you're going to be further ahead. And there's a great saying profit is prince, cash flow is king, and momentum is emperor. So it's getting your team to take decision making, be actively focused on finding the right solutions, choosing a recommendation, and then they're in momentum and you're, in, you're winning.
0: Yeah, 100%. Remember, Great businesses have great leaders. Great leaders are good problem solvers and problem solving is a skill that can and needs to be developed. And that's why it's so important to train your team through delegating an outcome to them, not necessarily being a task rabbit and helping coach them within that framework. PSR, it's like pick up the phone they they talk to you and the response should not be, oh, do this, try that. It should be, from I'm not here to do your job. <laughs> You're there to do your job, PSR. So what's the one problem you're trying to solve here again? Cool, got it. And what are your three recommendations? You know, potential solutions? S, solutions? Yeah, okay, cool. And then what would be your one recommendation for this? Ah, nice. And then at that point you get to course correct them and go like, bro, it's a terrible idea, do it this way instead, or if you consider that, or you can go, excellent, sounds good to me, talk to you later. So really important to problem solve within that framework. eh? And they will grow in confidence
1: You will go in confidence and you will have a far more autonomous team. And there's a great saying that we have is that you need to delegate to elevate. And what that means is you need to give your team the autonomy to be able to go away and problem solve, implement the system so that the whole business can run faster and you're not the bottleneck. Because nine times out of 10, most business owners are the bottleneck. So how do we get out of that? Well, it's systems. Systems run the business. Where's the owner put in place the processes for the people to be able to run at full speed with these guardrails in place? And that's typically a system, a step-by-step checklist, a process, and then a meeting cadence where you'll meet each day or each week with key reports and there'll be one key metric per person. So is the foreman owning the productivity of the job on site? And his one number might be labor hours, forecast versus actual. And that's how we can track and see is the job on track? And we should be able to ask them, John, are you winning? And we need to know red or green. So are his labor hours within five percent of the forecast? So that's his metric. And then it might be, is he on track to hit that next milestone? Are his guys doing the job to the right quality assurance level? And obviously we've got systems from a site setup checklist, quality assurance checklist, et cetera. And then the before the council sign off.
0: Perfect. So so far. Common themes amongst our best performing members like Hayden, Richard, Brad, Sean, <laughs> Doug, Brent is that they attract great talent and then they delegate outcomes to that talent and provide them with the systems and processes to be successful and tight feedback loop. What would be some of your next points of what these guys do really well and that people can replicate so that they play to win next year?
1: So, one of the next ones is metrics so if you don't know your numbers then you're just guessing and it starts at the project level are you pricing to a target margin of at least 20% plus gross margin are you controlling the labor hours in real time that's going to be 80% of the success of a project do you have feedback so that you're controlling your work in progress so labor hours construction meeting each week, foreman's meeting, toolbox meeting, so you know the guys, are we on track to get that framing done? I've allocated 100 hours for it. We're halfway through it, but we're sitting at 70 hours. What are we going to do to pull back 20 hours to make sure that we hit that? And then do you have technology available to enable that? So you might have pricing software or project management software. So you might either be using BuildExact, BuildAprice, or you might be using BuildAtrend, Co-Construct, Rave, etc., To make sure that you do have accurate data with which to make decisions. And there's a great saying um, communication or culture is cadence. And that comes down to great communication from how we're going versus what we forecast. So that should be in labor hours, quality standards, timeliness, communication with the client, and so forth. So to sum up, I guess metrics get real key data. And the biggest one there is labor hours are your guys capturing all the variations? Are you checking the materials, checking the jumbo bin? And then do you have a way of getting that feedback every week so you can let the guys know on site, hey, we're on track or we're off track. And ideally you'll have one person on that one KPI, the foreman, and it might be number of hours per week forecast versus actual. So are we within 5% of our forecast labor hours?
0: Exactly. Numbers is the language of business. So if you're not inspecting any numbers, these ones specifically, then you're going to be flying blind and it's going to be an real nightmare. You're probably going to be h- hoping and relying on some brilliant people in your team to grow our scale and versus knowing the numbers and being able to be way more surgical with, oh, no wonder this is tough. Our margin is too low going in or no wonder this is tough. We're eroding our margin away during a job and it happens to be all of these jobs run by this bloke who's the foreman and this guy doesn't have any systems of processes or isn't using variations correctly and is seems to be missing them all you know without the visibility through the numbers you are just shooting from the hip and flying blind and that's why one of the first things that we end up doing with all of our guys is getting into a performance check rhythm beginning of every month before the 10th review the numbers review the numbers review the numbers tweak and improve iterate over time and start trending upwards from PBR, per project profits, net profit, expense ratio to, over, to total sales, all of that should be in range of where it needs to be for the type of company and project that you're doing. Couldn't Absolutely.
1: I think then that leads to the next one, which is non-negotiable standards. As you as the owner, founder, head honcho need to impart and flow down, what are our non-negotiable standards with regards to meetings, show up, Rules of the game, like what are your rules of the game with your team? So is it that, you know, you always put in leave absence two weeks in advance? Is it that there's no radios on site? Is it that there's no swearing on site? Is it that labor hours must be within 5% per stage? And how we do, we report that as we report it daily. The guys take time to fill in their labor hours each day uh, by stage. And then we can course correct as opposed to getting to the end of the job and thinking holy shit we're we're far out and also in terms of capturing variations what are you doing in pre-construction meeting with your foreman going through the plans and is he also triaging the hours in advance by stage that he thinks versus what you think if he's going to have true ownership of the outcome and be responsible for the success of that project or are you just putting it all on him and then leaving it up to him and abdicating yeah. rather than delegating.
0: One, bang on. So it's like you don't get in business what you deserve. You get what you tolerate. And if you tolerate people not hitting their standards, you're going to get that. But it goes the whole way back through. If you tolerate pricing stuff at a low margin, you're going to get that. If you tolerate getting shitty clients through, you, you're you going to let them come through. But if you no longer tolerate that, you will eventually no longer get that. You know. So it's really important. That your job as the business owner, whether you're running, you know, one crew or whether you're running 15 projects at a time or annually, doesn't matter. Your job is to hold the highest standards and to make sure that everybody else is following those. So, yeah, couldn't agree more. And I, you know who does a great job of this as well? I believe is, is Richard Fiske does an awesome job of holding high standards and it reflects in the quality of his workmanship, the size of his projects and this, you know, the reputation that he holds in the community. And then also the other good stuff, you know, quality of his people, quality of his team and the quality of his profits.
1: 55 master builders awards, two locations, twice and Timaru grown to over $10 million profitably awesome team of 30 people, great culture and great processes and systems. and, and as you say, knowing his numbers, holding his team to account, training his team, this is what shapes any great construction company. And I think the training that he did for our members last week was epic. And then giving away those you know, resources like the high converting quote template, the pre-construction pack, his quality assurance checklist, and then his org chart structure and what each person does for each role really helps to dial in that accountability and then the scorecard that each person has at that level. And I think that's one thing that uh, that leads on to the next one is that success lies just out of your comfort zone. So what are the, the tough conversations that you might be avoiding having? Is it a communication issue that you might be having with one of the teams? So I had that over the weekend. I just had to reflect on, uh, we have a Slack channel, we communicate in there. I was a little abrupt, short and sharp in there. And so I carried that karmic debt, thinking about it over the weekend, thinking how it could be interpreted. And we weren't running, uh, funnily enough, to do with this podcast. We weren't putting the podcast out there onto Facebook and into our remarketing stack. And I asked our marketing manager, you know, are we? And he was like, currently, no. And I was like, well, why not? How come? What needs, you know, this seems like an obvious thing to help more people. The more areas we can get it out to, the better. When I reflect on that, I should have had that framed it differently and said, hey, I reckon it could be a great idea because it can help more people. Here's how we can market it. This is what we should spend versus the way that it could be interpreted or taken. So a big thing, look at your communication as a leader. Be comfortable having those tough conversations. And so I showed him a message and we've now worked out a communication cadence with us so that I don't interrupt any of his team as six people below him. I have conversations with him or in a group channel like that. Before putting, throwing, lobbing any hand grenades in there, I will have chat with him one-on-one. So
0: we're always learning. 100%. And then with that as well, like being out of your comfort zone, as the company grows, pressure comes on your people and your process. And quite often you're going to stop doing certain tasks, delegate to your team and need to start doing others. And that's going to put you out of your comfort zone because most of the guys that we work with are super comfortable being on site, swinging a hammer, building great projects, and are relatively uncomfortable, and hiring good people firing ones that aren't pulling their weight doing their sales doing their marketing improving their pricing making sure they're raising prices or they're improving their margin on a project to project basis is like relatively uncomfortable things for many of our members yet it's your new job description and your new requirement when you start running a 5 10 15 million dollar construction company so that is uncomfortable for a lot of people and requires you to step out of your comfort zone and go, well, this is my new JD, my new job description. (laughs) I need to attack it and be the best I can be at it. And that is one of the things that many members have done a great job. of. I know Doug Westway is a good example of this because he'd done a couple of attempts at growing and scaling his company. And in his own words, they weren't the most successful cracks at it that he had hoped. He came back and he worked with us on his third attempt. And We gave him that new JD. His new role scope was no longer picking up materials, coordinating subs, signing off variations, organizing, you know, inclusions and exclusions with the client, you know, fixes and fittings. He built a team around him and his new job description was improving the systems, coaching the team, inspecting his expectations and not just abdicating, but delegating clearly, making sure they were in ratios and his metrics were clear, hiring good people and putting them in the right seat making sure the pipeline of projects was full so that they could continue to service the overhead and continue to grow to that next level and keep getting great clients so he had to network with architects estate agents mortgage brokers wealth advisors this was a new job description for him and outside of his comfort zone but the best members lean into that, attack that, and become good at it and go to that next level.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's what helped him go from a $2 million company that wasn't making a lot of profit. Everything relied on his was on his shoulders. So eight and a half mil on the way to 10 mil, well systemized, made sure that he had each of the positions management teams. So contracts administrator, QS estimator, construction manager, and then project manager. And he did the, uh, the sales and marketing side of things mapped out, scorecard for each person, meeting rhythm, cadence, so that they knew what they were reporting, what was happening in the meeting, what the stats were, whether they were winning or not. And that really allowed him to go to the next level. And we did a great exercise in boardroom called the genius test or the genius uh, quiz. And what this is, is you go through, you assess everything that you're currently doing and you put it through a lens of three key things. Number one, does it have a big impact on the business? Number two, Is it in my genius? So am I naturally great at it? And number three, do I love doing it? So does it energize me? And if it gets all those three ticks, then keep doing it. If not, if it only gets two of those, so let's say it's high impact, but you don't really like doing it, then that's something that we want to look to hire someone for. Or if there's something that is all three, so it doesn't have big impact, you don't love doing it, and it's not in your genius, then we want to get it off your plate and either automate it or delegate it or completely stopped.
0: Yeah, so good. Look, there's a few more clues that are left behind by successful members and we're going to share them with you. But we're going to share them in the next episode. We're out of time. Time is up. So been a pleasure. Pleasure's all yours. I'll catch you next time, Marty. And we'll see you on the line. Cheers, brother. See you.